the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today, our guest is Greg Shanahan. Welcome along, Greg. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here in the studio. Now, maybe you could fill listeners in on where you fit into this big, wide world of of tech in New Zealand. Um, So i um, probably best known for the TIN report or TIN 100 report. Um, So I founded TIN 20 years ago um, this year and then started producing the report in 2005. Um, so the TIN report is an uh, annual benchmarking report on New Zealand's 200 largest uh, globally focused tech businesses. So it really quantifies our tech export uh, industry. Um, and as I was saying uh, before the show started, we started off surveying 2005, about 70 companies this year will survey around about 1,000. So there's been enormous growth um, in the number of companies and the contribution of those companies to the New Zealand economy. Yeah, I think it's it's incredibly exciting how much uh, you know change and growth we've seen in New mm. Zealand within you know particularly the tech tech startups. So you know, I guess uh, startup is is a it's a sort of hard term to define what what fits in and doesn't fit yeah. into that category. But you know, a lot of amazing tech uh, mm. tech companies, and yeah, I, th- I think you know more and more you know government recognizing the importance uh, of our tech industry and and that becoming more you know widely recognized as well just how much of an impact it can have uh, on the future of New Zealand yeah I think that's a really good point uh, when we started tin or even started the um, tin report it wasn't it wasn't widely recognized and there was no quantification of um, how big the sector was um, and little understanding of what success looked like. And I think certainly within the business community, that's become a lot more transparent in the intervening period. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's uh, let's jump in. A few bits of news to uh, to chat through before we uh, we dive in and, and learn a, a bit more uh, about about tin. N- now, I was a, l- a little bit surprised to hear about uh, a company formerly known as as, as CCH. Well, Commerce Clearinghouse, I think, um, but they're now known as uh, Giant Walters uh, Kluwer, uh, the software uh, software firm. And I saw a, a tweet uh, floating around last week saying that uh, they had gone offline um, due to a malware attack. So not a very uh, not a very nice uh, position to be in uh, for both them and you know of course their clients around the world mm. and you know quite quite a uh, you know a well-known uh, provider of services and so it was uh, it was la- last week around around this time last week I, I think probably Tuesday when uh, when they actually got uh, got hit in terms of New Zealand uh, time and it seemed like their, uh, their their services went offline and you know you've got a, a, a I think a, you know, re- a reasonable uh, client base around the world that are relying on them for you know, mm. accounting type services and uh, and and so on. Um, so, yeah, not a nice position to be in. The last tweet that I saw from uh, New Z- from their uh, uh, New Zealand. 
Twitter handle, uh, I think uh, CCH underscore uh, NZ, their, uh, their New Zealand uh, Twitter. And that was, yeah, basically saying, oh, our service is interrupted and, you know, we're, we're doing our best to, uh, to get it uh, back online. And when I look now, they've, uh, they seem to have either don't have any, uh, anything new to report uh, locally uh, or they've forgotten to update their, uh, their, their Twitter account uh, because, yeah, basically their, their latest update is, uh, you know, saying that they have, uh, uh, they have these issues that they're trying to work on and uh, uh, things, are, things are offline. Uh, but on their main site, they're saying, hey, we're, we're back online. But, mm. I, I th- you know, I think for, for me, it, it just highlights that we now have this incredible reliance on cloud services. Yeah. On them being constantly online, we yeah. have this expectation that nothing can ever go wrong with yeah. them. And uh, you know, if they do, then yeah, there might be a, a short outage, but they bounce back online uh, pretty quickly. Mm. And in reality, I you know, I think that you know these cloud cloud services, especially if they're not from a really really big uh, you know provider that has loads and loads of you know layers and redundancies mm. and so on um, hey it's, it's it's still software uh, at the end of the day and uh, things things can uh, things can go wrong mm. so you know there there's there's wisdom and you know being cautious around you know what software you choose to go with and then looking at well what what would we do do we have some sort of copy of our data if, if something goes haywire uh, one of my team was alerted me yesterday to a client that's, uh, that's w- wanting to move their payroll to a new cloud platform yeah. and you know you've gone through you know part of our process at Gorilla is sort of you know trying to look at uh, you know the benefits and the risks of these sorts of changes and uh, one of the things that he uh, had recognised was there didn't seem to be any way that they were offering that you can actually you know back up this particular uh, payroll system once you move to it or keep your own sort of copy other than you know copies of pay slips and and, yeah. and bits and pieces so uh, um, yeah there's some some challenges out there I think yeah particularly I mean I just put all my uh, personal photos from my phone into the cloud as a backup. Yes, yes. And so increasing the back- backups are going to the cloud rather than people backing up from the cloud. So, yeah, makes you feel a bit vulnerable. Yeah, and do yeah. you back up your backup? So you've got one in this cloud and one in, one in that cloud. And, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to personal data, I guess there's, you know, there's a level of importance to it. And But if you're, uh, you know, you're relying on it for, uh, for a business where yeah. you you know, you you couldn't cope if uh, if you lost lost that data. It's uh, it's another consideration too. You're making me feel a little bit more paranoid than I already was. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, on to uh, on to other topics. Um, Uber have gone uh, gone public. They did their um, uh, their initial public offering or launched on the uh, uh, stock exchange uh, last week. And uh, it wasn't. It was Saturday New Zealand time, and uh, it didn't didn't look very good. I've got to say, in terms of mm. the numbers, I think they dropped about seven seven percent. Yeah. And I've just uh, just jumped in to uh, see what the uh, what the reports are for today. You know, Tuesday here in New Zealand, it's. Uh, Monday in the US, uh, stock market has has opened again. I think they launched on the uh, um, on the was it the New York uh, Stock Exchange. 
around 45 US dollars a share and they're now down to 30 just under 37 uh, dollars uh, US a share wow. so they've they've looks like they've dropped uh, nearly nearly 20% since that uh, that what offering are, so what are people putting that down to I'm I'm not sure what's to, what's um, what the big the big hit is. Uh, I think you know for me there's there's probably a, a you know a, quite a number of you know concerns always when I look at startups and I you know I guess I you know I've um, I've looked at a lot of IPOs uh, over the years and you know sometimes you know I might have a friend that's a you know uh, you know involved in a, mm-hmm. in a business and so you, you know you, you're hearing a little bit of you know bits and pieces from from them. Uh, I remember when Google uh, you know listed. And you know, a friend of mine had, had been in the first uh, one to two hundred uh, staff in, in the US, and um, I thought, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's probably going to it's going to going to work, work out all right. And uh, you know, looked at the initial stock price. I think it was maybe a, uh, around a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, hundred dollars US at, at that point. And I thought, oh, maybe I should I uh, should buy some of these. And then you know, I looked at the market cap, and I thought, how can Google be you know be worth that much? Yeah. And where are they going to go from here? You know, and you know, of course, they've they've. Um, you know, way, way past that by you know more than more than ten times now, uh, and uh, I, yeah, I guess I, I've recognised it's it's really hard from the outside to actually weigh these things up. In the case of Uber, are they making money? I don't think you know. I don't. No. I don't think so. Uh, are they going to make money anytime soon? You know, I'm uh, I'm not sure if you know if they keep expanding, then it's you know it gets pretty hard to uh, to you know pull in the the profits. You would tend to think, sort of looking at the Uber Eats type model, yep. that there there would be quite good money in in the sort of slice of food sales they take and the slice of uh, the general ride sharing uh, that they take. Then we've got this move towards autonomous cars coming at you know at some point over the next few years. Mm. But just two, two weeks ago, you know, Elon Musk yeah. saying you know, hey, every every uh, Tesla that's out on the road, if the owner you know wants it to, it'll be able to be part of our uh, our ride sharing uh, network. So there's a fleet of you know within eighteen months or so, potentially two million cars uh, around the world mm. uh, that will have all the technology in them to compete with Uber. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a few concerns, and uh, you know, not not to mention um, how people feel about some of the um, ethical uh, things that have that have come from uh, from Uber certainly in in the past, and mm. uh, you know how they've 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 approached certain uh, certain things and uh, not been too committed to local uh, legislation, shall we say? Yeah. Yes, yeah, certainly the Elon Musk announcement, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, was big news and was being touted that Tesla was going to actually crush Lyft and uh, Uber and he was upselling that. So if it's driven by sentiment and people are looking to investing in a stock for something that's going to be part of the future economy, you know, those kind of things um, from someone as high profile as Elon Musk could have put a dampener for some people on that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of curious why uh, exactly they've they've chosen to uh, to list it at, at this stage. Yeah. Whether it's just that their investors have got to the point that they don't want to keep dipping into their uh, dipping into their pockets. 
um, or yeah, what what the other what the other reasonings are behind uh, behind this timing. But I've, yeah, I would have thought would have been somewhat predictable that people weren't uh, weren't, mm. weren't super excited about uh, uh, about Uber. So uh, yeah. maybe if they'd listed a few years back, you know, when Uber was probably cooler and and seen more as more cutting edge mm. than it is today, um, they would have had a better chance. Might have, yeah, might have yeah. might have been quite uh, quite quite different. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, there's a few people making a little little bit of money out of yeah, uh, out of no out one's of, crying out of this. Uh, the I think they're you know they're now a reasonable chunk below what the more recent investors have actually you know in okay. the level that they've invested at. I think you know yeah. the, the last round of investments was was off the top of my head was um, Uber being valued somewhere around the seventy to eighty sort of billion US. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, and uh, well, I'm just trying to see here. What have we got? Uh, market cap of 62 billion. So it's it's still huge in the in the scheme of things. I think it's still worth you know more than any automaker in the US and uh, well, any you know any, yeah, yeah. any company in this uh, in this this part of uh, 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 it's the unbelievable, world. So, it? uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they weren't there. Uh, you know, it's only only a few years ago that uh, yeah, this was was just not something that was happening at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting times, and you know, of course, uh, Lyft have also uh, uh, listed recently, and uh, uh, yeah, they've they've taken quite a different approach to Uber yeah. Uber as a business. I don't know if it's a, a you know the, the, these are the businesses that you've um, yeah you've taken much interest yeah. in, but. Quite fascinating how how Lyft have kept that focus in on the US. Yes, and in actual fact, when you look at what uh, Uber have done with their UberX service, which is the, yes. the service that they've they've taken everywhere, it's yes. really the only service we've got in New Zealand from them. Uh, that was copying what you know Lyft actually start, yeah. started doing. They you know they they had the the initiative uh, you know first. Uh, to go down that track, Uber's track was more the the black car sort of limo yeah. type uh, type approach yeah. to start with, uh, and uh, and yet yeah, Uber have uh, you know really really you know pushed things out to win that market share around the world and uh, and expand uh, very 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 quickly. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've certainly been high profile. Yeah, you know, when you think of that market, you think of Uber first. You do, yeah. you do, yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's certainly, you know, I think been good for consumers and for drivers that there have been the two players in the US yeah. market here in New Zealand, where uh, we've got Holland now in the in the market, the Indian startup as well as uh, as well as Uber, as well as uh, you know lo- the local. Uh, local one and Zoomy is it? Zoomy, yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, I haven't haven't used them for a while. I've been yeah. thinking I must I must try them again because when I first tried them out, it was it wasn't a very good uh, wasn't a very good experience. Oh, okay. and, and yeah, I mean there were a, there were a couple uh, locally that have um, yeah invited me to try out their service and and you know Zoomy was uh, was one of them. The other one. I can't uh, can't remember. Locally in Auckland, of course, there've been um, you know some variances around yeah. the country as as well. Uh, but Ola, when I tried them out to start with, Ola uh, was 
broken, basically. Oh, really? Basically. Yeah. Uh, but I understand that they they must be they must be working now because they're uh, they're spending a bit of a bit of money on TV commercials and yeah. and so on to get the uh, get the word out. On the flip side, you've got that you know what what could be considered somewhat sort of anti-competitive uh, behaviour. I mean, uh, you know, I guess uh, you know the the respect for Uber and you know the way they've done some things. I yeah. you know, I don't have a have a huge amount for their uh, uh, for, of respect for their approach at times. But the most recent thing that I've noticed is while we've got a new entrant trying to come into the market, yeah. that they've been taking their most uh, valuable customers. And slashing the prices on them. Yep. Uh, so, you know, one of our one of our team here at the office, you know, Uber's everywhere, yep. not in a position to drive. Yeah. Uh, so, has to rely on somebody else to do to do yeah. the driving or it's public transport. And uh, yeah, he w- he was saying some some very enticing offers from uh, from Uber. You know, thirty five percent off rides over a you know oh. over over a period. So. You can imagine a new player comes into the market; they're trying to win some share, yeah. and uh, Uber does these things and makes it uh, makes it very hard for the new entrant to get any of those yeah. uh, those most profitable customers. Yeah, kind of kind of smart, but there, at some point there's a there, there's a line there where uh, you know what's Uber's revenue. Uh, I'm not sure what their what their numbers are actually. Um, don't don't have that front uh, at the moment. Interesting but, to know. Um, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, interesting, uh, interesting times, and uh, of course, uh, another big company that gets a lot of attention is uh, is Amazon, and uh, Jeff Bezos has been. Yeah, doing some some interesting uh, uh, stuff in in terms of uh, putting uh, putting up rockets with mm. uh, Blue Origin and so on, uh, and just uh, just in the last few days, uh, he's made his uh, his most recent announcements, and this this uh, the video is online actually. It's called um, uh, "Going to Space to Benefit Earth." And it runs. How long does it run for? This is maybe uh, half an hour or or, or so, uh, but quite a quite a fast uh, fifty uh, fifty one minutes. But quite a fascinating oh. watch for you know, anyone that, that's that's interested in what his mm. take on things. Because you know we we sort of you know we've got a bit of a taste of uh, of what you know where Peter Beck's going. I'm yes. sure we'll hear, keep hearing more from Peter mm. Beck uh, from Elon Musk uh, about going to Mars and so on and uh, and and putting up uh, low Earth orbit uh, satellites to give us internet around the world. Um, but the um, the approach from um, uh, Jeff Bezos, it, it, it seems to be very much around that uh, long-term situation where Earth could not be in a good... Well, well I guess it, it's, mm. you know, if we, if we look... You know, far enough out, then potentially Earth isn't a place that can mm. be lived on. So he's talking about, well, how do we, how do we, uh, you know, extend the life of the planet by taking, you know, certain sorts of production loads and manufacturing and other, you know, other bits and pieces that can, uh, you know, mess with the environment. Take those out into space. Uh, how do we create maybe, um, you know, communities that would be based in space, mm. but not necessarily based on a planet, mm. but actually, you know, based just you know, you build these things in space, so they don't have to be as far away as Mars, for instance. A sort mm. of thing where you can go and you can 
can you know visit these things, uh, and uh, and the moon that would be uh, you know would be part of that. So he's you know showed off his, his moon lander and a prototype and and so on. So. Um, yeah, a bit of uh, science fiction, uh, you know, uh, and weaved in in there. But uh, no, he, t- he tells a good story, and uh, you know, it's it's worth a watch for those that are uh, you know cur- curious about these things. Yeah, he's certainly an interesting guy, and you know, one of the few captains of industry who sort of come through from the um, dot com bubble to go from strength to uh, strength mm. now, and. Mm. Amazon just seemed to be getting more powerful by the day. It's it's yeah, it's incredible. It's I bet I don't tend to uh, tend to hold too many stocks, but um, I'm I am sitting on a a, a, a small number of <laughs> of Amazon uh, shares because uh, yeah, unless something really major hits them, I can you know I can just see them yeah. you know continuing to to grow dominant. On the flip side, I'm not actually. You know, necessarily super keen on you know outside of that investment. And, you know, my general thinking, you know, I don't like it when you know one company becomes too dominant. Too dominant. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not sure how long I'll uh, I'll keep that one for, but I, uh, I I certainly certainly hope that they you know that they um, um, get get a good run for their money in plenty of places, and uh, we, we you know we see some good competition for them. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, especially here in New Zealand, right? You know. I, mm. uh, Especially the way current tax regimes are, mm. uh, you know, much prefer local businesses to be selling yeah. to New Zealand uh, rather than, uh, yeah, off offshore conglomerates that uh, mm. might might not pay very much uh, tax locally. I guess the biggest global competition would be Alibaba. Yes, and so yeah. probably a clash of the titans. Somewhere along the way. That's right, yeah. Um, And I think Amazon have recently pulled out of China uh, themselves. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's it's very very interesting to watch uh, watch these things and... um, and a little, a little bit worrying at times too. <laughs> so uh, there we go. Now locally, um, Vodafone. We heard uh, we heard yesterday that uh, maybe they weren't going to wait for uh, uh, you know a, a listing, and uh, and they might be uh, might be sold. And uh, uh, sure enough, they uh, they held a, uh, a briefing for media today, and. Uh, um, you know, I think that they said that it was going to be running for uh, for a couple of hours to uh, to chat through um, the sale of, of Vodafone New Zealand, so Vodafone Group globally mm-hmm. uh, divesting themselves uh, of it entirely. Was it Infratel um, who was interested and, in Vodafone? Yeah, yeah. So Infratel and uh, Brookfield Investment Management, uh, which is a Canadian uh, uh-huh. firm. So yeah, very. Um, uh, very interesting to see what that actually means locally for mm. uh, users of Vodafone services mm. and, and for the business. They've already been uh, working under Jason Paris, uh, you know, leadership locally to try and prepare themselves for sale. And yeah, no doubt they've had some reasonably clear predictions of you know what those changes mm. would 
would lead to uh, that were enough for them to get a you know re- re- I think that's a pretty reasonable price for uh, Vodafone mm. uh, locally. So and and you know possibly there will be some uh, some sort of tie back with Vodafone you know group out of yeah. the UK in terms of ongoing use of the brand and um, and other bits and pieces. So yeah. apparently they're not going to lose all the benefits that you know Vodafone has, such yep. as their five dollar a day roaming, which you know draws on the partnership agreements that Vodafone already okay. has, a, uh, you know, internationally and and with their other subsidiaries and, and other markets. Yeah, um, yeah, this gets. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, my my pick is we, we you know we probably won't see dramatic changes other than those that help them turn a profit. Because if they've spent that sort of money, uh, you know these things such as you know off, offshoring the yes. help desk services and and the like, I, I imagine that stuff's just going to go full steam ahead. Yeah. You know, um, unfortunately, will you know will have that impact on their uh, on the on their workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I didn't have um, two hours to set aside and uh, and it'd be on their sort of a, a, a yeah call uh, media and investor sort of call today to uh, <laughs> uh, to gain all those, all those insights although they were nice enough to um, you know offer Jason for for an interview but I you know I, I I'm more interested in sort of you know what watching this announcement a little bit and then yeah. we'll, uh, we'll we'll see where it goes and uh, you know what what that actually means and of course these things take t- some time to go through you know sales processes yes. and regulatory processes so i don't think it's, it's it's likely to be completed until uh 2021 uh 2020 at this stage anyway. mm. yeah yeah things seem to be hotting up in the telco space mm. Mm. um all right, so yeah, that was uh, was Vodafone. Um, Lime in the, in the news, another one of these uh, you know global uh, tech startups yep. that's uh, moving moving at uh, pace uh, for having been given a- approval by the Selwyn District Council to undertake a, a trial in uh, Rolleston, which you know it's a, it's sort of not not the uh, uh, the metropolis that gets a lot of uh, you know coverage uh, yes. in the news much because the, well the population. Uh, around sixteen thousand. Yeah. Uh, so it, I mean, it's actually it, it's grown a lot. I remember growing up in Christchurch, didn't hear too much about yeah. Rolleston at all. And when I was growing up, the population was, you know, probably wasn't much more than a tenth of that. I think yeah. it's actually grown, uh, grown rapidly. Maybe the 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 uh, earthquakes have you know helped yeah. with that, with people wanting to be a little bit a little bit further out of town and uh, uh, and so on. But uh, yeah, Lima uh, Lima jumping in now. I don't know if this is the first time they've done something. Something mm-hmm. like that, but I haven't, haven't, uh, you know, been able. To, I haven't come across any other examples with with such a small population being targeted by an e-scooter firm. So they might be using that as a, you know, something of an experiment to uh, to, to see what flies. Certainly, you know, when it comes to transport in a small area mm-hmm. like that, I can I can see e-scooter being uh, actually a, a really good approach. And there is no you know, ride sharing in in you know those sort of areas with yeah. smaller population, and yeah, generally you don't need to get too too far if you know you're just within a metropolitan area anyway. Uh, so it, it could work quite well. Yeah, I think um, Lime scooters have added something to Auckland. Mm. You, know, you kind of mm. feel you're in a modern city where you see people zipping around, um, getting from A to B. It's kind of it's quite bracing into wow, this really is like the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yep, I, I agree. I just I, I have some I have some concerns around the, some of the safety element with them, but uh, that, that's I think that's that's easily uh, easily addressable. Uh, and the other thing that caught my uh, caught my attention uh, was an email that came through around uh, Juicy Rentals, which of course is yep. a, is a New Zealand startup that's done uh, uh, you know done very very yep. well uh, with their um, sort of. Smaller sized or budget priced uh, camper camper vans. Yes, and they uh, they did a trial last year with an uh, an electric uh, camper, and uh, they have announced that from it's about uh, July, uh, you will be able to um, actually use an electric uh, camper in New Zealand. So they're rolling out uh, uh, a fleet of uh, of these with uh, some Nissan uh, electric vans, yep. and uh, and they're going to be around the country and they're talking now about a move to you know virtually all their vehicles being uh, being electric fantastic so that's uh, it's pretty cool i think you know when you look at that idea of you know that that freedom of just traveling around the country mm. uh, in a camper van and uh, you know, I think it's something that can be can be quite enticing, as, you know, as a tourist, mm. just to have have that freedom, uh, not having the overhead of you know petrol yep. is is probably you know kind of uh, kind of good. Yep. On the on the flip side, you might need to you know plan a bit more so yeah. you, you can charge. But uh, you know, the the charging networks around New Zealand have uh, you know really improved a lot. Mm. Uh, over over recent years, and uh, you know, the, the government have have certainly helped uh, you know with funding some you know some some of that. Um, the likes of ChargeNet, who, who charge our uh, who who sponsor our uh, EV podcast, uh, you know, they've been you know we're working very hard to put that infrastructure out there. So um, yeah, I, I think the timing is probably about right for this uh, this stuff to start happening. Yeah, I think. Um, it's exciting and particularly for visitors to New Zealand it reinforces an image that hopefully they have of New Zealand um, already you know, it'd be exciting to see more fleets doing that, government vehicles and um, other sort of long haul transport Yeah, I, I mean I think it fits with, with you know, the the clean green brand of, yeah. of New Zealand and you know so much of our electricity is um, you know generated in a sustainable way so you know all fits together uh, fairly nicely I, I don't know um, you know what the costs are to rent these things whether any you know much different to uh, to any of our vehicles but uh, you know I, I would I would think it's you know it's reasonably inevitable that yeah, it won't be too many years before this is just this is just the standard, and it's great to see them, uh, you know, leading the way here. And I imagine if they do similar, you know, if, if, well, if this works out well, which I would pick it, you know, probably would, uh, then they'll be looking to do this in other markets that they uh, that they operate in. Fantastic. I'm not sure of all the markets, but certainly certainly seen the the, the juicy cars uh, or the juicy vans around uh, around the US. Yeah. And uh, that yeah, they seem to be do, doing uh, doing well there. Which is you know, it's always pleasing to see our Kiwi uh, exports doing well internationally. Oh, absolutely, and you know, as uh, as a potential customer, you'd be more inclined to su- you know to support people who are taking that kind of leadership. Mm. Um, 
people who really want to provide you know, the support of their custom to people who are showing some sort of environmental considerations. And I think that um, what Juicy are doing, there's so many opportunities uh, in New Zealand because of our small scale to change things dramatically. And I think the opportunity to be, actually be more radical uh, than we are already being. Uh, the, you know, the, the size of our infrastructure and population is a fraction of most major Western economies. So if we're not going to do these things, who will? That's a good point, actually. Um, yeah, when you, when you think of it like that, to make a, you know, make a change here, mm. you know, I don't know what their total fleet is in New Zealand, mm. but for them to you know, go ahead and, and, and make, uh, you know, make, a, make a change, you know, it's not as though they've got to go out and find you know, billions and billions of dollars, dollars. to do it and, yeah. to, and to get started and to, and, to do, and to make a change that's more than just, oh, we've changed 0.1% of our fleet to yeah, electric, yeah. right? That they can actually go and, and, and make a pretty big change. And if it works then move that into the other markets where you know they're they're still uh, you know somewhat early days there's still mm. you know a huge amount of, of growth potential for them internationally so uh, you know they could bring that with them into those markets and if, too. as a kiwi if i was looking to hire a van in the say in the south island you know i would uh, my preference would be for a company like that who's you know doing something um, to advance those kind of causes, and not to mention because it's you know it's all electric, then uh, you've got other benefits that yeah. come with it in terms of a you know Wi-Fi hotspot and you know yeah. other other bits and pieces that are sort of you know built in there, mobile uh, mobile hotspot and so on. So uh, yeah. yeah. So there's some, yeah, there's some, there's some good, uh, good, good reasons to support what they're doing. Yeah, good on them. Now we get sent gadgets to look at from uh, from time ah. to time, and uh, last it was probably a week, a week or week or so back, um, HP sent through their Spectra X360. Now, what sort of caught my eye with this? It was actually. Um, might might not have been this exact model, but one one of the uh, one of the X uh, X three sixties I saw recently was uh, I was on a trip with with Chris Keel, and um, it, it, you know HP had sent a device over to uh, over to the Herald. I think it was for uh, Yuha Saarinen, who, who comes on the podcast from mm-hmm. time to time, and uh, and he wasn't about, so uh, Chris Keel grabbed it and he was showing it to me, and I was looking at it and um, going, oh, that looks actually pretty pretty styly. Yeah. Um, the most the most obvious uh, thing is 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 kind of small, but uh, uh, it stood out to me is the corners of it are, uh, are chopped off where the fold is, mm. and um, it's just a you know a style element I hadn't seen yeah, before. Yeah. But it's also quite nice. You've got um, um, actually <laughs> when I first uh, when I first got it, I was looking around for a while to work out how to turn it on. Um, but the power buttons on one corner and on the other corner oh, is the USB C connector, so you can uh, you can dock it in. And um, unlike one of the other HPs I've been using with USB-C I was able just to plug in the cable that goes into my monitor yeah. and that handled the charging the monitor the keyboard the mouse the networking and um, yeah worked very well very nice uh, yeah, slim and stylish laptop mm. um at the top end of the market, so it's sort of you know machined out of um, appropriate, out of the relevant uh, materials. 
and I think it, it, lo- See if it I can launches it here about $2,900. Now, being the X360, it means you can fold it back on itself and, and use it a bit like a tablet. I'm always cautious with those features, though, in case I've grabbed the long wrong laptop when I fold <laughs> it back and uh, worried I'm going to break it. But uh, I, I assure you, you can do with uh, uh, with the Spectre X360. So the, the Spectre is their, uh, their, their sort of consumer uh, brand, and then they've got their, their commercial uh, variants as, as well. And uh, yeah, as far as a consumer laptop, it certainly sits up at that at that uh, higher end. This one, um, you know, pretty powerful with a you know quad core CPU and Bang and Olufsen. Yeah, Bang and Olufsen uh, yeah. speakers. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of of you know very nice uh, elements to it, and yeah, fair bit of uh, processing power. Um, the only thing that um, you know, I guess always surprises me when I when I pick up a nice uh, high end sort of um, yeah laptop that's that's aimed at consumers that it comes with the home version of Windows, which you know in business you gen- generally uh, you know want want to be on the uh, uh, the business version of Windows. And always wonder yeah. why they why they can't just add that in there. But usually, you know, there's there's some option to get that. Mm. And if you're in business, you're probably going to buy a slight variant that is the business model and have the business version of Windows. Uh, but yeah, overall, very very nice uh, um, design, I think, and um, and build. And the, yeah, there's some quite smart stuff in there. Even just the little uh, switches that they're now putting on the on the side, so you can turn yeah, off very funky, the, the sort it? of privacy to turn off the uh, the webcam. And actually, uh-huh. completely disconnects it, so the power to the webcam's gone. Uh, so it's you know it's not just that you're uh, you're, you're covering it up or you know some other some other yep. such thing. Uh, it's completely disconnected. So yeah. you know, I know we're more and more concerned about that, those privacy aspects. So. Um, it's it's nice that that's uh, that's an easy thing to do and, and is getting um, considered appropriately and a, a little bit better than uh, there was one of, one of the laptops uh, in the past couple of years where they thought well the the, the approach to uh, to give that privacy as a as a as a key on the keyboard that would pop mm. up when so you know the camera can see you when you're in a call and then you can you know pop it down again when you're not in the call but of course coming from uh, coming from your keyboard the angle was such that it was sort of looking up your nose at you. So uh, uh, I still prefer a webcam that's at the top of the that. screen. I've got to say. <laughs> so uh, yes, all right. So um, technology investment network, Greg. Let's uh, let, 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 sure. let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about um, tin. So you said twenty years now since mm. uh, since since you started. Yeah, I was I was ten at the time, um, and quite <laughs> precocious for a ten year old. <laughs> Um, and so it started really around um, an event at the America's Cup. Yep. Um, and, and the 2000 America's Cup, where there was a lot of captains of industry there from Silicon Valley who were uh, visiting from the United States and some whose visits had sort of been uh, facilitated by uh, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. And so it was a unique opportunity to showcase some of the New Zealand tech companies in New Zealand at, the, at that time to these individuals and bring the sort of tech community together. Fantastic. Um, and we have some great stories, don't yeah. we, in New Zealand of really, you know, 
big heavy hitters with with a lot to invest who you know have helped the the, the likes of zero and you know mm. varying others uh, to sort of you know gra- gain the traction that they've uh, that they've needed uh, by investing in our in our local companies and uh, you know often a lot that's been you know facilitated locally rather than it necessarily being uh, Silicon Valley sort of visits that have uh, you know made made got those connections into play. Yeah, so that's uh, really interesting and uh, relevant um, to Tech Week coming up. Yes. Uh, point that you make, uh, given that we're launching the uh, Investor's Guide to the New Zealand uh, uh, Technology Industry and next week during Tech Week. Probably the, the big transition is we of the four people that we had on stage, I don't think any of them, any that I know of, made investments in New Zealand, where it's now so common for very high-profile American venture capital companies um, to uh, invest in New Zealand tech companies. And we're talking about the the top shelf of um, American investors, not the sort of B or C if there is such a category. Um, So, yeah, uh, New Zealand is increasingly high-profile in American investment circles. And why do you think... That we you know Why? we have that sort of we're attracting that sort of in, interest other than the fact that they can they can go to uh, you know the tin report and find out all the details thank, and find thank, out how, thank, how good we are. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I would put it down exclusively to the tin report. <laughs> um, I think an enormous I feel an enormous amount has changed in in those twenty years. Yeah. Um, but if we go to the investment side, I think particularly post GFC, global uh, capital has become far more global um, so they're not just investing in New Zealand they're investing in countries like South Africa or even Kazakhstan or, mm. or there used to be the mantra that uh, venture capital investors would only invest within a kilometre radi- radius of their office but what's really happened is that there is too much money uh, particularly in the United States um, trace, chasing too few quality deals and so to get the returns that they need they've got to come to countries like New Zealand on the on the investee side, from the New Zealand perspective, I think our ecosystem um, has uh, expanded and matured enormously due to the efforts of thousands of people, you know, across the ecosystem mm. um, who've seen that vision. And um, you know, we're producing some world beating companies as a result of that. Yep. So, I mean, how? How do you rate where we are doing as a country at the moment? It's funny you should say that because there was recently um, a report earlier this year by the New Zealand Productivity Commission saying that we hadn't really achieved anything. And it kind of reminded me, I once read of a guy who had a veteran of World War Two, and he said when he read the history of the battles, um, he'd wondered if he'd really been there. <laughs> <laughs> And so you look out and you think, wow, um, I feel so proud of our country and the companies that we have the privilege to see. Are they, uh, how, how can that be invisible? So our, the MO or the reason for um, producing the, um, the TIN report, this document here, if you can see in the, the camera, um, 
was really those were watching on on Facebook. So yep. if you haven't watched the live stream, you should uh, should jump into our Facebook page and 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 have a look because we we know most people sort of listen in, but you should have a look every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not because of the <laughs> visual appeal of the guests, but hopefully the wisdom of this thing. <laughs> um, the two things that we wanted to do one is quantify the size of the sector so people would realise how significant it was as part of our economy um, and the second thing was to communicate what success really looks like particularly mm-hmm. around um, business models and approach to market so I think we've uh, kind of done that and the first report had a hundred uh, sorry, 50 companies in it. Uh, we had a 100 companies and called it the TIN 100 report, expanded to 200 companies some years later. And now uh, last year's report, we had uh, 200 companies profiled quantitatively, but another 100 startups. So mm. it became awkward saying we've got a TIN 100 report with two, with 300 companies and it sounded <laughs> a bit Irish. So we just call it the TIN report now. Right, right. And uh, so how do people get hold you know of the report because obviously there's a, you know a, a fair bit of work I've you know, visited your offices recently yeah. and it, you well, know it, it's not it's not you know it's not just you sort of you know On sitting there you've got uh, you've got a quite quite a team uh, you know making this happen how does it actually work from a, a business from a, perspective a bus- you know, yeah so are you charging people a hundred thousand dollars a a shot for a copy of the report or what what's the model look like um I think if people do have a hundred thousand dollars and they want to pay that to see the report they could please contact Paul and refer them to me <laughs> uh, so the b- business model has largely been driven by sponsorship and um, to uh, and, and report sales, mm-hmm. um, and the report has been priced really as you would a, as a business customer, as opposed to uh, someone who's got a general interest in in the technology sector um, and want want some information. Um, we're now moving to um, a, a membership model. Um, the reason for that is that we're gathering so much data now um, that it needs to become more transactional. Um, so when I started TIN, I really didn't know, I truly did not know anybody, so I'd have as many coffees as I could with as many people. And the people that we included in the report were then people I had personal rela- relationships with. Um, and now with a 1,000 companies, I, you know, I, my coffee budget is not that big. Yeah. <laughs> so there's got to be some transparent reasons for those companies want to want to be involved and for mm-hmm. them to see mm-hmm. the commercial benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are primarily around the profile that we uh, create for them. Um, so we're looking to scale it. Um, and I think the opportunity of New Zealand is that New Zealand's approach, the approach of New Zealand companies become far more sophisticated in those 10 years. So there's there's loads of uh, numbers and you know commentary in here and yeah. all sorts of directions. Are there any you know, any particular areas that you know really um, you know excite you that you like to you know talk about in terms of our growth results as a country or um, any of the other stats? I mean, I'm looking looking through here at um, yeah all all sorts all sorts of uh, uh, figures: forty percent new entrants in uh, two thousand and eighteen. Um, yeah, all 
a whole ra- a whole range of uh, a whole range of, of of stats. What sort of what are the what are the sort of the headline points that I guess from the most recent report? Yeah, so the headline points are in two thousand and eighteen. The two hundred largest companies had revenues um, of um, around about eleven billion dollars and and grew. Uh, an excess of ten um, percent, and exports of eight eight billion dollars. So the um, for the past three years, um, those two hundred companies have been growing by close to double digit figures. So it's the first time um, revenue, or the second time in three years that that revenue for those two hundred companies grew by over a billion dollars. So you think, how do you quantify a billion dollars? So essentially. They're creating new business or a company the size of a Fisher & Paykel Healthcare or a Datacom every year. So you've got to find resources and, and talent and premises um, for business that size. That's huge on the scale of New Zealand. Um, there are 47,000 people employed in those, co- in those companies. That's growing every year by two to 3,000. Um, roughly uh, 50 to 60% of them are employed in New Zealand. There's a growing number, obviously, offshore. Sales become more important than production. So in terms of property prices, particularly property prices in, in metropolitan areas, um, requirement for industrial property, those things are really starting to bite. Um, and so, so this is bad for the economy then. <laughs> this is putting our house prices up, Greg. <laughs> yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly is, I think. But what mainstream business is, is beginning to recognise is that this is – this is impacting our economy. Mm. And so, particularly since last year's report, we've been contacted by people saying, wow, um, how do I become part of this? You mm. know, um, I don't know much about it, and technology makes me a bit anxious. It's so high risk. But this is an opportunity that we cannot afford to ignore. And so, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, th- I think it's uh, yeah, it's really really exciting to uh, you know here with where things are growing. Uh, I was I was just looking down at uh, page here which mentioned um, Vista Group and um, I uh, uh, an I amazing saw, company. Yeah, I saw Murray Holloway um, la- la- last week. A fantastic guy, and uh, he is he's awesome. He was on for those that are interested uh, in hearing their story, a New Zealand business podcast. Yeah, uh, you can you can hear uh, Murray. And, Thoroughly recommend um, listening to him. He uh, he's fascinating, and I think when we had when we had uh, him on the show, which would have been yeah, probably maybe two years ago yep. now, uh, yeah, their market cap was somewhere sort of four hundred million or, yep. or or so. Um, he mentioned I think around eight hundred million uh, now. So uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, they're doing uh, doing very well, and you know we've just got. You know, so you know, so many yes. uh, good stories. A lot of them aren't quite at that that, that scale necessarily. I think, but I, I love that you were able to sort of you know collate that together and, and paint a picture across the country. And the idea that we're creating a you know basically a, a billion dollar you know business uh, every every year yeah. uh, with with the growth that we're seeing across these uh, is is you know really really pleasing to hear. And you know, I guess that this is something that we we 
want to get that word out. Uh, last week where I ran into Murray was the uh, the event at the Ice House uh, where we have uh, Simplicity, uh, Sir Stephen uh, Tyndall. Tyndall's uh, investment uh, entity, K1W1, uh, and the um, Ice Angels sort of you know come, coming together. Uh, and yeah, that was exciting just to see the, the number of investors and uh, and and people. And you know, I guess the the thing about that is that it will. Uh, you know, expose what these opportunities are for New Zealand to a broader audience and help encourage more people rather than dropping, you know, every cent they own into into yeah. a mortgage and buying property, but into something that's, you know, actually going to uh, going to grow, new, you know, New Zealand's economy in a, in a real and genuine way w- without all the investment having to, uh, you know, be coming in from uh, the ends of the earth rather, rather than, uh, you know, locally, which is, uh, you know, I think very very encouraging. I totally agree. I think the the uh, movement of some of the superannuation fund money into the tech sector is the next stage in in uh, the maturity uh, of the sector. And for New Zealanders to recognise that this is a big opportunity and not force um, high growth companies to look offshore because there's uh, no sort of Series A and beyond funding available in New Zealand. And so we've got to change the whole conversation around that, which um, people are showing leadership in doing. So I totally commend uh, what they've done. Yeah, and which which reminds me because we had uh, Sam Stubbs in here from Simplicity and and Robbie Robbie Paul from uh, from Ice Angels uh, a few days ago for uh, New Zealand Everyday Investor podcast. So mm-hmm. those that are uh, you know wondering whether they should be putting a you know a, a few dollars into into the uh, tech mm-hmm. sector rather than you know other places where you might be uh, investing uh, money at the moment or, or just leaving it at the bank or uh, you know traditional Kiwi Saver schemes. Um, then that one will be will be worth a listen. I haven't uh, haven't heard it yet. I'm not even sure if it's online. I think it prob- probably uh, is by now, or, or will be within the next week or two. So um, yeah, lots of lots of little bits of promotion for some of the other uh, other, yeah. other shows. But um, look, that, I mean, yeah, that well, Sam and Robbie would be good. really interesting yeah. uh, to um, talk to. And you know, Robbie's been doing a fantastic job uh, with the Ice Angels uh, for years, supported by uh, Andy Hamilton, and you know they've really built up some momentum there. Yeah, and and we will. Um, we didn't manage to quite get our our scheduling right because Robbie's got a bit of bit of travel coming up, but um, we will get him in on our New Zealand uh, you know tech podcast over the next little while as as well to uh, uh, you know to hear a bit more of what's happening in in his world. Um, so, uh, in terms of, uh, I'm I'm kind of curious because. I've heard about sort of tin one hundred from time to time. It's sort of you yeah. know come up, but I you know haven't haven't heard a whole lot of, about it. Um, you know, other than um, when one of one of your team got got in touch uh, yeah. a few a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. You know, who are the, who are the people that um, that you're uh, you know targeting or the, you think you know should be uh, should be you know getting in touch and you know either I mean, I'm not sure what the model is now but I think you, you mentioned a membership type model yes. um, you know who would be the people that are really going to benefit um, you know from this so I guess we've got a mix of a mix of listeners you yeah. know and probably about a, from the survey we've been doing about a third of our listeners of you know their primary interest in, in technology is you know is very you know very much from the personal perspective yeah. but um, 
um, the majority of our our listeners, there's two thirds, are involved in in some field of technology and yeah. and 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 or well, business and technology, as as well as generally having some you know some personal interest as well. So you know, I guess it's going to fit in there somewhere. Well, I, I guess. Um the TIN report, and TIN really started as uh, a work of passion looking for a business model, perhaps like a lot of uh, businesses. That um, I, When we wrote the report, I was just frustrated that the lack of transparency and understanding of the significance of the sector, so I wanted to put something out there. Mm. Um, I think I even, we had... We were running events at the time, so I threw our sponsor logos from the events onto the report so it wouldn't look too sad that we had some industry backing. Um, And initially, the idea was was to curate a community so that people would understand who else was playing in this space. So my initial target was the tin companies themselves. particularly because we found that companies going offshore were all making the same mistakes, uh, sort of like Lemming. So, what, you know, if you could uh, speak to your your peers, maybe you wouldn't be doomed to do that. Yes, so yeah. I was really keen that people under got some market savvy. Um, but more the, the beyond the companies themselves, it's the stakeholders in the industry, so particularly investors um, and uh, professional service providers, university and government. So particularly the New Zealand government, I think their perspective on the sector has been altered considerably over the years by by the report. So if anyone is interested in this stuff, you just need to go on to um, our website where it's currently being rebuilt, but you can find more information on the, on the TIN report. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, every time I talk about this, I just... Um, it's so exciting for all of us. Mm. Um, and as I said, you know, it's not just... Tin didn't, hasn't made the, the tech sector. We've shed a light on it, but people like the Ice House and uh, others have done fantastic work in the past decade. The University of Auckland and other tertiary institutions, champions within the government, collaborative, co- collaborative spaces, incubators all over New Zealand now. Mm-hmm. It's a very um, increasingly mature and sophisticated uh, innovation ecosystem. Um, that's probably the the only thing uh, investors say you could come close to it is in Israel. Mm, mm. Well, it's good, uh, you know. It's good that you're doing doing this, and um, look, yeah, long long may it continue, and you Thank know, you. hopefully, hopefully keeps uh, you know keeps contribu- contributing and uh, and helping. You know, I think it, it is really important that we, we you know stay competitive as a country, as a country, and we, you know we take advantage of the u- unique things of you know that New Zealand has from you know a whole lot of you know p- perspectives, be it you know our our um, you know ability. From that sort of innovation uh, perspective, to just the fact we're a little bit further away from the rest of the world, it tends to uh, give us a different view and, and different thinking on uh, on things. Um, yeah, there's probably probably you know lots of perspectives you could share on that front in terms of what makes New Zealand uh, you know different and why why we often do do well. Uh, I think. Um the New Zealand advantage is uh, one of distance and um, size. So we've previously, you know, always regarded those things as negatives. But it's far easier. To, uh, the far, you're far more competitive if you're smaller and nimble. 
The impact of that for the rest of New Zealand is I think we've got perhaps a once in a generational opportunity to address uh, entrenched economic and social inequalities with the growth of this tech sector. So there's such a strong demand for talent that should primarily be sourced from within New Zealand. Um, and if we can do that successfully, um, it will have it will and is having a far-reaching impact throughout across the country geographically, um, but also across socio-demographics. So anything is possible. Um, and I think that the tech sector is one of the enablers of the uh, of the kind of vision that we all have uh, for New Zealand, the one that we certainly want our children to live in. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks for coming on the New Zealand Tech Thank Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Week. That was a lot of fun. Excellent. Now, where do people uh, you know, get in touch? What's the best way to, to reach um, if, you? If, if they want to get in touch with me, probably the easiest way is probably to Google TIN 100. Uh, and go through our website and all the contact details are there. Excellent, excellent. That's good. Uh, and, yep, listeners can uh, get in touch with me uh, via social media, Paul Spain on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, and, yeah, if you are curious and haven't watched our uh, video stream, then uh, those, are, those are happening, uh, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. Uh, most, most Tuesday afternoons, the time uh, does, does, vary, uh, does vary a little bit. Uh, and the one thing we'd really appreciate your uh, your help on would be the survey that we're doing of listeners at the moment. Uh, we're getting great insights in uh, each and every week, uh, but we really want to fill that out with what you think about the show, what you would like to see change as we do a, a bit of a reset and a relaunch mid-year. Uh, so to complete that, go to nztechpodcast.com slash survey. And uh, and then, you know, your uh, thoughts will be counted. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's There's been a lot of feedback already. And um, certainly there, there's an interest in, you know, a bit more down the startup track. So mm-hmm. that's one thing we're looking at, uh, how we can how we can share a bit more of New Zealand's uh, startup uh, stories. There's been feedback around how long people like the, sh- the show, uh, which is is, uh, is interesting. This, I think, uh, lots of different opinions on uh, on what the perfect uh, sweet spot is, but we'll certainly take uh, uh, take that into consideration. And uh, yeah, an opportunity just. For free form, uh, you know, comments. So yeah, if you if you listen into the show, whether you've been listening just to if this is the first time you've listened in, uh, or whether you've listened to all four hundred and thirty something episodes, uh, we'd be very appreciative of your feedback. So nztechpodcast.com uh, slash survey. All right, thanks everyone. We'll catch you on the next episode next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.